Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. Hello, everyone. So it is just me, Laura, here today. Steph is in LA, but we did record this interview before she left, and we can't wait for you to hear it. But before we start the interview, I just wanted to check in and update you on what we've been doing this week. So firstly, we wanted to say the biggest thank you to everyone for all of your support of KickPod. So far, we have been overwhelmed and we are so humbled by how many of you have liked it. Um, We really, 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 really appreciate it and especially all of the incredible reviews we have lured all of them um, and we appreciate it so much. So thank you. So this week, uh, Steph and I were, we started the week in New Zealand with Bumble. Uh, we had so much fun being able to meet some of our New Zealand kit girls. We promise we are going to come back very soon. It's not too far away um, that we are going to release some information on a big tour that we're doing and we can't wait. And then we went to Sydney for the, well, I went to Sydney for the Fitness Expo and Steph had to go to LA. Uh, thank you to everyone who came to that. We had so much fun working out with you. Uh, we did a kick workout with Danny. It was actually a very leg heavy workout. So <laughs> I'm struggling to walk probably today, um, but I had so much fun. And anyone that is in Brisbane or Melbourne, those events are coming up with the Expo later in the year. We also wanted to share a code with you for Kick. We are so sorry we haven't done this yet, but if anyone would like to sign up to Kick for the first time, we've got a 50% off code for you for the first month for first-time subscribers. So if you head to our website, www.keepitcleaner.com.au and you enter the code KICKPOD, you'll get 50% off your first month to try the program. Also, just a heads up, we have got a new podcast recording machine thingo. We are still working out how to use it. So if you do hear any funny things with the audio, we do apologize. We are working on it and we promise we will improve from here. So for today's podcast, we have got our first career chat. So what we're going to be doing once a month is speaking to women who are doing really well in their industry and asking them what on earth they did to get to where they are today. So for our first career chat, we are talking about journalism and we have two very special women. We've got Zara McDonald and Michelle Andrews, who are the two powerhouses behind the Shameless podcast. So the girls started at Mamma Mia, so they landed their job at Mamma Mia, which is a really, really good job to get straight out of university. They then went freelance and have now got one of Australia's biggest pop culture podcasts and have had over 1.7, that's right, 1.7 million downloads since they launched just over a year ago. So Steph and I take a lot of inspiration from them and we hope you will too. Hi girls. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. We're very excited. So are we. We're a bit nervous though. We have never been on the other side of the microphone. Not really anyway, maybe a couple of times. Yeah. we're normally in control, so it feels quite odd to be. As control freaks. Yeah. Well, we've been um, quite excited to have you on the other side. Not like <laughs> we're going to get you back for anything. <laughs> I mean, like you might, though. <laughs> yeah, you better watch out because the next uh, 30 minutes or so, depending on how much we chat, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to dive right in. Um, no, but thank you so much for joining us. Um, we love both of you guys and thanks for having us on your own podcast. 
The feeling is mutual. <laughs> we have, we actually have thrown you both some curly questions in the past, so we are expecting some curlies. Yeah, you? of course. And I think we've covered you in segments before yeah. as well. Just like thrown a Daily Mail headline about Steph into the <laughs> dirty every now and then. Which <laughs> there's um, there's enough ridiculous Daily Mail articles to throw around. I think. <laughs> mm. um, so first of all, to start off every chat podcast when we have someone on, we want to kind of warm up. Although you guys are. We'll be pretty warmed up. You guys do this often. But um, we want to get to know you just in a quick fire. Three little questions. Um, first of all, three fun facts about you. Ooh, Ooh. nice one. Do you want to go first, Zara? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think of my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, all right. Three facts about me. I have a fear of Dr. Seuss. Like really crazy fear of it. Ever since I was a kid, I cannot watch like Green Eggs and Ham, all that type of stuff makes me want to die inside. Oh my gosh. Don't know why. Um, I used to play netball semi-professionally, but I'm the kind of person where I'm 100% or nothing. So I was 100% about it for so long. And then I was like, nah. I can't do this anymore and gave up and quit and never played again. And okay. last. <laughs> it's all very intense. You're working through it. Uh, last mm. fact about me, fun fact, I like to eat pizza with a spoon. That is so random. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. No. I don't do it. If I'm like out with people who don't know that I do that, I won't do it. But when I'm at home in like because my you own know it's comfort, so whack. Yeah, it's really whack. How do you cut the pizza me. with the spoon? I don't know. It just happens. I can especially imagine taking it more effort as well. No, really especially if it's um, reheated pizza, like leftover pizza. Highly recommend eating it with a spoon. I don't know why I've done it since I was a kid. Yeah, there you go, Zara. Beat that. Well, they're, they're fun. <laughs> they're real fun. She's a ball of fun. Um, three facts. I don't like dogs that much. Yeah. Um, I feel like that has to be on the record now because I, Michelle tends to tell everybody. Um, I also don't like cake that much. Wow. Zara's yeah, real not fun, fun at all. She's not human. Um, oh, what's Do you like fun? anything? <laughs> yeah, 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 you guys. <laughs> Keep it cleaner. Um, and what's my third one? I, I'm a big crier. I don't look like a crier, I don't think. You are a crier. Yeah, I, I kind of try to come across like I'm like very harsh and cynical, but I'm a big crier. I would Is never. it happy crying or sad um, crying? No, 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 sad crying. Yeah. And I have to explain to people, like, there are times when I'll cry and I'll kind of in the moment feel the need to explain that this is not me peak sad. <laughs> like, this might be you peak sad, but right now I'm probably just, like, middle of the range sad. Um, so, yeah, I cry a lot. She ah. does. I can confirm that. I've seen Zara cry so many God. times. Yeah. yeah. It just comes out. Frustrated crying. She's a big frustrated yeah. cry. Oh, I'm a frustrated cry yeah. too. Yeah. Mm. I think we both are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're both we're a very emotional pair. <laughs> um all right, another one to throw at you. What is your most pivotal moment of your career thus far? Uh shameless being rejected as an idea. We pitched it to a podcast network and they said no. And at the time that was probably one of the lowest points of our careers. But I think I'm going to speak for both of us. I'm not sure if you agree with this. For sure. No, I would have said exactly the same thing. So go for your life. Yeah. I think it was the lowest point of both of our careers and that we looked at each other and said, we really believe in this idea. We really want to do it. And the major podcast network in Australia, one of the major podcast networks has said no. Um, And we even pitched Shameless after that when we were doing Shameless on our own independently. We pitched it out to different podcast networks. Everyone turned us down for a long time. And then, yeah, I think that was the spark of us going off and doing it on our own and being independent with it. Because I think it was like the first time that we had an idea and we could kind of see how it would work and how our careers could play out with Mm. it. And we tend to get ahead of ourselves and think way too big picture. So we probably did get way too ahead of ourselves. And then when... 
a network that was sort of championing female content at the time and was doing it the best didn't see the worth in the idea, you can't not sit back and think, well, if, if they're doing great female content right now and we've got this idea that we think is great and they don't like it, then maybe it's not so good after all. Yeah, it makes you question yourself and it makes mm. you question your own idea and think, Absolutely. can we really do it if they don't think we can do it? Yeah. Well, like, why is that? So... Yeah, I think it took a lot of work to actually get it off the ground, but being told no was the best thing yes. that could have ever happened to us because it means that we just had to build it and just make it work and, like, as Nike says, just do it. <laughs> Very inspirational. <laughs> Love that. Not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> Not at all. Um, that's awesome, and I think we would agree with that. One of our most pivotal moments would definitely be when we went off on our own uh, because we were told no for things, so, yeah. Good. I'm glad that you guys brought that up. Mm. It's such a cliche though, because everybody assumes I don't know, people say when what is it? One door closes, another yeah. opens. Mm-hmm. And I wish someone had told me at the time that it was going to be the best thing that happened to either of us. It feels so bad at the time. Yeah. And it's such a hit to the ego. And we were young and we probably were getting too ahead of ourselves. And it was probably nice for us to be slapped back into place. Mm. Um and it was, yeah, I wish someone had told us then that it was going to be the best thing. That we would have no ties, we could do it. And when it is just you, I think you make it work a bit more because there's no other option than to make it work. Yep. Yeah. I think particularly having each other like to bounce ideas off and to push each other. And even like uh, it sounds immature, but a little bit a little bit of it has been proving people wrong. Yeah. When people tell you you can't do it, being able to show them that you actually can. I know that sounds really juvenile. No, but yeah, I think that's a, a really strong motivational thing for a lot of people. But then once you succeed, I think, or you start doing it, then you forget about those people and then sure. you yeah. kind of look into it, which is really cool. I think that's yeah. what happened with us. And yeah. It's a good drive and then you forget about it. Yeah. Just focus on going forward. Speaking of looking into the future for the third and final quick fire question, what is the first goal that pops to mind of either you can talk about shameless or something personal? Ooh, um, I would like to create other, this is a very general goal, but I hope that's allowed. Are there rules here? Um, no rules. <laughs> Go ahead. No. This is a safe Definitely place. Um, I would like to start creating content outside of Shameless for other people. Mm-hmm. So podcasts for other people, creating other brands. Like we like what we've created, but I think now it's a matter of what we can create for other people in many different contexts. And I know that sounds so vague. No, yeah, not always being the voices yeah. behind a podcast either. Like we'd love to start um, being more behind the scenes. yeah. Stage, like producing, stage yeah. yeah, producing yeah. other stuff. That would be ma- a much more specific way to put it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. kind of turning Shameless into more of a media company than just a standalone podcast. Yes, yeah, see, big picture, well ahead of. <laughs> I don't yourself. think that's Small very goal. far away. Yeah. <laughs> so you're both two young girls who grew up in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. What was your childhood like, and did you always have journalism in your mind? Um, I did definitely. Like I always wanted to be a writer. I always kind of liked being creative and it always sort of came out in words. Mm. So I always kind of thought that journalism was the way to go. Um, both my older brother and sister went into law and then I sort of had like an existential crisis when I was 18 because you feel (laughs) like you need to copy them or that if they're doing that, then maybe that's what I was meant to do too. But I went into journalism because I thought it was the only way that I could write And then I got to my first lecture at uni and they said to us all that if, firstly, they told us their massive dropout rate, that there was no jobs and that then if uh, you're here because you want to write, you're in the wrong course. And I thought, fabulous. I don't know where else to go. So I'm just going to stay. But that kind of being able to write and being creative was like a very fundamental part of growing up um, for me because I I was quite... um, overly studious to an absolute fault, like to the point where it (laughs) probably add into a social life and definitely into, I don't know, I was just a bit of a dork that way. (laughs) But um, that's how I got into it. You are not that different with a little 
how I got into journalism, yeah. you mean? I never had any idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. I I liked school, but I didn't really try all that hard until I got to VCE when I felt like it actually counted. And I went through stages of feeling like I was going to be a physiotherapist. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a psychologist. Psychology was a big one for me. And I got to the end of year 12 and got my score and was like, great, I have no idea what I want to do still. And so I went to an arts degree, which everyone tells you not to go into an arts degree, but I beg to differ. I really enjoyed doing an arts degree. I think it gave me space and time to figure it out because when you're 18 or I was 17 when I finished high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Oh, like, and there's so many people who go into a specific subject, I feel, yeah. that they then realise, I actually don't want to do this at all. Yeah, well, and this so isn't what I thought pressure it would be. to know what you want to do straight away. Like, nobody says to give yourself two years to work it out and do something more broad until you find what you're good at. Also, you don't know what jobs there are out there. Exactly, and I felt like I'd always been writing it, always had blogs, always. I used to have um, a food blog about healthy eating, Laura. Look at you. <laughs> um, I, I used to, <laughs> I was always on Tumblr when I was younger and then I had the 20s diary, which I made on my 20th birthday where I was like, I'll just write about life in your 20s, which ended up being that's a so lot cool. about dating and boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what's most important in your 20s, early yep. 20s, isn't it? Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, like it was all dating, basically all dating and drinking and whatever. Yeah. And uh, I, that was how Mamma Mia really found me. And then I did an internship and then started writing. And that's kind of how I got into journalism. But I always thought there was no money in it. I yeah, kind of right. looked at it and thought and it no won't work. be stable. Yeah. yeah. And now you're both loaded. Very true. It's so funny because when I first went into my first law class, the first thing the lecturer said was, if you're here to make money, leave. Mm. You won't. This is the average salary of a solicitor. And then they also said that most students drop out of this course. Only one third will finish. So why did you stay in it then? Sorry to f- turn the tables. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I've already it's done a habit, this. isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I didn't know what yeah. I wanted to do. And I actually struggled with it being brought. I would have preferred it to be more specific when I saw so it. So funny. It's, it's no one size fits all approach with university, I think. So for me, I wanted something more specific. And I found doing, I did arts law in my first semester. And I, could, I struggled so much because I felt like I had no guidance. See, sociology was terrible like art subjects like that suck but things like psychology and law subjects and all that I just liked having a little taste of everything mm. I didn't I did media which just was irrelevant to me so how is this not relevant <laughs> so at uni did you find obviously you got into Michelle Mamma Mia which is such a great place to work mm. I think as journalists did you find that when you were at uni that's a place that you aspired to work at and Something did like your, that, yeah. yeah, definitely. And did your grades affect that? So when you, was it your blog that got you in there or how, what would you recommend to aspiring journalists as to how they could get into an organisation like Mamma Mia or, or a big media outlet? I think one of the biggest issues is that with a lot of young writers, they have ideas and they they want to write those ideas, but they they want to get them published first. And I think that might be a mistake. I know it's annoying to say work for free or do content for free, but if you like to write, write a blog or do it in your free time, or if, if it's your hobby and you really want to do it, then just do it. I think there's a great podcast by Seth Godin called Akimbo, which is all about if you really enjoy things, just go and do it. And then eventually if you're good enough at it, someone will find you or you'll make a living out of it somehow. So yeah, that's how they found me. Zara went through another route to find my I Mia. think I cold called to start. Yeah. Um, which is another thing that I, and I know that makes you, when people, when I hear people say that, I always think, oh, that's so bad. Like who would do that? But 
it's sort of in the moment when you want something so badly. When I was at uni, I always kind of wanted to work in women's magazines or something like that. Mm. And then when I got to uni, there was very much sense that women's magazines, I mean, there was no jobs because everybody was getting made redundant. So it was kind of the next thing that Mamma Mia existed online. It was women's content. That worked for me. That's the stuff that I like to read. And I just remember them doing internships, but they were based in Sydney. So I just called them and asked to do it and then sent them my writing and it worked. Um, but it didn't feel that sort of scary at the time calling because it's the kind of thing that you want. And it's that idea when you're backed into a corner and have no other options. Like I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what work was going to be there. Um, that you kind of, when you have no options, it's the best thing because you just do the things that you'd normally be scared to do. So that's what I did. And we both sort of landed at the same place. And also it's a massive privilege to be able to do what we did, which was totally. start off with an internship because mm. not everyone can work for 12 weeks for free and that be okay. Like some people have to pay rent. Some people don't live with their parents. And we mm. were both privileged at that time to live at home and have yeah. the freedom to go and do that. So Yeah. And which is a big issue in the industry for sure. Like to be able to expect students to work one day a week for three months for free is a lot Yeah, when you are trying to hold down a part-time job. We were able to do both, which is, yeah, a huge part of the story that a lot of people sort of, I think, don't mention. Yeah, luck plays a huge part. Yeah. And that pivotal moment you guys spoke about before when you got told no about Shameless and that the idea um, wasn't any good. You obviously stuck with the idea and launched Shameless. Mm -hmm. And then soon after, you've both gone freelance. Yeah. And that was, you've mentioned, very scary, um, as anyone could imagine. But walk us through why you felt like you had to do that, how it's been for you guys. It's funny because for me, I went freelance in July last year and Zara went freelance only a month ago now in February. And um, for me, it was that everyone around me was telling me to do it. I think I trust my gut. But at that time, I think when you're facing the prospect of leaving a job where you're comfortable in terms of salary and stability and structure, I think it was a big thing mentally to think, okay, well, I'm going to quit my job and I'm not going to have another one. And so many people said to me like, oh, where are you going? Like, what job have you got set up? And I was like, nothing. I'm, I'm going into an absolute abyss of just nothingness. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm diving off the deep end and I don't know how to swim. Basically, I'll just figure it out. And now it kind of sounds insane because we didn't, the podcast was not earning any money at that point. Yeah. I did not really have any contacts at other media organisations. I think because I had my boyfriend, Mitch, who was huge at that time and my best friends. And he, my was mom, huge, he? he was huge, wasn't he? He was really fat. <laughs> he was really muscly. No, he, um, he was really pivotal in encouraging me to do yeah. it. Like he knows Big when something's good for me, I think. He can sense it. They all do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just did it. I just quit. We quit within 24 hours of each other because we had a conversation where we just thought, you know what, Shameless needs to be our priority. It's not earning money now, but we'll figure it out. And do you think that, um, did it, Was it that it put a bad taste in your mouth when they said no to your idea or you just felt like it was was, time to move on? This was a few months later. I think we just got the impression that it wasn't tenable for us to do Shameless and also have our jobs at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, I think that would be a good way to put it. I think it was just becoming a huge priority for us and when – that's that's like an awkward dynamic when you've yeah. got this massive side hustle that's becoming a huge priority while you're turning up to do work that is essentially similar content. Yeah. Like it was a huge conflict of interest for everyone. Yeah. Um, so we decided to go, yeah, within 24 hours of each other. And I feel like it speaks very much to our personalities in that I went straight into another job because I'm like very risk averse yeah. and overly cautious. And that's probably why we work so well together in that Michelle's much better at just being like, let's just do it. Like let's let's take the risk and do it. And I'm very much like... 
I'm just going to take my time and think yeah. very methodically <laughs> through this. Like structure in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I did for six months, but I remember being a month into that job and I was messaging Michelle at work, even though my whole day was us messaging about work anyway, mm. and thinking, I don't know how long we can do this. Like I, I've made a mistake. Like I've taken this job and we can't do it all. Like I mm. can't do it all. Um, I think I, I wish I could quit now, but I've only been here for four weeks and yeah. I don't want to muck people around. Yeah. I'm too much of a people pleaser in that sense too. So I stuck it out for six months and it was a struggle for both of us. Yeah, both you guys because really got, I mean, I can imagine really busy for Shameless. It really yeah. hit the charts. So that yeah. was hard because I think I was almost working kind of full time yeah. on Shameless yeah. or doing a lot of stuff in the background. And then I think Zara, I didn't feel, I didn't feel any resentment about that because to me it's our baby. Yeah. And like I was a stay-at-home mum for the baby. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's how it felt. It felt oh, like I was going so to work and then I was still coming home and because, um, and I think that's the thing when you're working with another person, you do feel super cognizant of how much work you're both doing. And so I would feel the need to come home and then I would think to do work. <laughs> take care of the baby. Yeah, take care of the baby. So then I do my baby work till like 10 p.m. And then I would think if I burn out, it's going to be a bad thing for both of us. Mm. So how do I look after myself to make sure I'm giving my best self to both of us um but we kind of worked it out and even still now I feel the need to take on work like we were talking about who was editing an episode and I was like I need to do it I've got all this baby racing to do (laughs) (laughs) it's a great analogy you you do still feel guilt I think a little bit over that time where I was probably more hands-on with the admin side of things in particular but for me I don't hold anything for that time because I love what we do and it's both of us who are profiting off it and like it's fulfills both of us yeah yeah so it's not gonna be like how dare you like not no. have equal hours to and me. it's more like yeah and it's more like you both have to give I mean I, I'm sure we're preaching to the choir right I was gonna say you guys. we're both like nodding along. yeah because it's like you both give different things in different ways For and sure. I think you have to be smart enough to work out what you both give and how you both contribute and and not let that stress either of you out and our brains were in so much like so much further than just the now when that was all yeah. happening when I was doing more hours than Zara I wasn't just thinking like oh the next four weeks I was thinking oh like the next four years yeah it's both well, of our babies yeah and we will make this up yeah so so freelance has been great it's been great. Yeah. It's nice having the flexibility to kind of structure your work days. Although I'm, I don't know if it, it kind of can bleed into all hours. Yeah. yeah. I think it's been great the past couple of months with Zara being freelance now. I think when I first did it, I had nothing set up. So it was terrifying. It was yeah. like the scariest time in my professional life probably, but it worked. I think when you don't have any income coming in, you've just got to figure it out. Like you just have to make it happen yeah. and put yourself in uncomfortable positions. And I think that's what I've learned recently that it's good to be uncomfortable and it's yeah. good to go outside your comfort zone and challenge yourself because that's when you have the most growth. Mm. Yeah. No, that's how I felt kind of in the last month. Although Michelle is right because I am quite risk averse. Everything kind of was set up. So I stepped from one full-time job into another. <laughs> um, but I don't think I've ever felt so uncomfortable perpetually than over the last month. Like super like waking up every single morning thinking okay well this is on us now every decision we make is on us um and that's a bit more pressure but there's also something nice about always feeling uncomfortable because it's like if everything's uncomfortable then I don't even know what to stress about anymore (laughs) I can't channel that in any way yeah it's so weird we don't have time to stress about the things that we typically 
have would nerves you about. Yeah. Like, I reckon if we did this six months ago, I would have thought about this interview before we did it and thought, yeah. oh, I'm going on the Keep It Cleaner podcast. I need to like, in my head. It's kick pod. No, I'm joking. Whoa. We haven't told, we haven't told Would you like me yet. to just walk out the door? I would. I'm Personally, I'd love to do this myself. <laughs> you know what, Laura? Kick I does am. stand for Keep It Cleaner. I'm so. joking. I'm just joking. I'm so joking. anyway, so we're on the kick pod. But in my head. Like that? Yeah, I do I like that. It. Very nice. It's Wonderful very name. This will be episode three, so we won't be out of tension. <laughs> but in my head, I would have gone through every answer that I want yeah. to give and really yeah. think about what I'm going to say. Whereas because we've got a lot on our plates at the moment, we just rocked up and I was like, yep, we're doing this. I'm not going to think about it until we're actually sitting down. In other words, we're very chilled out now. No, not at all. <laughs> but that's the kind of ble- like the beauty of having a lot on is like, eh, I don't know. And which you get really to- good at problem solving. I find that now problems that we are faced with three years ago would have broken my life in half and I would have been like, I can't go on. Now I look back at those things and I was like, God. I know, I was so dramatic. That was so dramatic. Life was so easy. I feel like that's how I always look at the past. Life was so easy. I'm like, maybe maybe it always is. You're always pushing yourself out of it. And do you think that's what sets you apart? Because obviously you have started a podcast in a time when podcasts are growing. It's obviously a good time to start it, but there there are a lot of podcasts out there especially in the category that you operate in and you have been able to hit the top charts within such a short period of time Mm -hmm. every single week and you've grown an amazing community almost like a cult-like community that loves shameless and which is amazing congratulations thanks Thanks, so exciting (laughs) but what sets you apart from everyone else that's decided to start a podcast is it factors in your personality Zara's really annoying absolutely not um what is it what would you say Oh, it sets us apart. I actually don't know. Maybe I think it might be that we're so hell-bent on making it work that, like, I think it's easier to sit back and be like, oh, we just grew this thing and it happened and isn't this marvellous? But in the early days, we worked bloody hard to make sure that this was a thing that if we were actually going to quit our jobs, we wanted to make sure that it was going to work. So we were in universities sticking up posters on the back Hmm. of bathroom doors in the girls' bathrooms telling people about Shameless, like literally posters about Shameless. We went guerrilla-style marketing for sure. I love guerrilla-style marketing. But I think that would have to be it in that uh, it's really easy, especially on social media or in the work that we do, to act like everything is very relaxed or on the fly. But we... I don't know any other decision makers like us who are like meticulous in why we do things, how we do them, Um, even ways we structure the podcast. I mean, it sort of ruins the beauty of it if you tell people why things exist as they do, but it's exactly like that. And I think that's why is because we are overly considered about why we do things and put in a lot of hours and emotional energy to making some weird podcast about celebrities work. We're strategic as well. Like, I, I, I feel you're awkward smart. saying no, it, you're but very we are smart. strategic. Yeah, and I feel like you should be able to, this is like what we, when we try and get girls to compliment themselves. It's like, that's feel not free. even an overt compliment I was going to well. say, feel yeah, free, like go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that comes from, we work together for over a year where we had one day on Mamma Mia where we were kind of responsible for all the content on the website. So I would almost share the responsibility with Zara where I said, okay, we need to get X number of people on the website today. How do we do it? What are our stories? Let's sit on the table and brainstorm and how do we get people on the website? So we were thinking strategically from the age of 21 of how to get an audience onto a certain platform. So I think we just took what we learned there 
and transferred it into a podcast? Yeah. The idea of being resourceful, I think, was that we accidentally built into ourselves. And also we had no budget at the start as well. Like we still don't really. We had no money. So we're like, okay, how do we get this out? Like the amount of times we would sit down, physically sit down and think, how do people find this? Like how do we seed this out? And then just come up with a million different plans and, and try to do them all. And we still have girls coming to us today saying they found out about us from the posters on the back yeah, of the bathroom. Yeah, that's cool. At university. We spent oh, the amount, number of hours spent in gross bathrooms putting up posters. Yeah, and some uni bathrooms are nicer than others, let us tell you. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that's really cool though because I feel like now starting social media, it's something that we get asked all the time is how do you grow it? And it's so hard to give advice because when we started, we were really lucky. There was still organic yeah. growth on social media and there isn't really that now as much. So it's it's really incredible that you guys did it and didn't see that as a barrier. I feel like a lot of people would have the mindset of, oh, I can't do it because everyone's already too far ahead of me. But instead of that, you went and you planned. Well, you had like 700 followers when we started. We were not, like, we didn't have any social media followers. I don't even think I had 700 photos and all my photos were stupid. (laughs) I mean, they still are. (laughs) No, it was, we had no clout. I don't know if we still did. But that's a funny thing that you say as well, because that is something that we talk about on the podcast now in that how hard it is Mm. to cut through now. Um, but I, I still think it can be done. I don't think it can be done to the same scale, but I still think it can be done. You've just got to be smart or smarter. <laughs> and Michelle's much better at that stuff than I am. Oh, shut up. No. It's true. She's better. You at- sound like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you could sum up success in one sentence for yourselves and Shameless, how would you do it? Are you there? God, yeah. sum up success in a sentence. I don't, I don't, I think we've had some success, but I think the plans that we have for what we want to do are way bigger than what we're doing at the moment. Success in a sentence, I think is just educating, entertaining and empowering women to know more about what's going on in the world. I think, yeah, we talk about celebrity and pop culture, but we always want to use that as a platform to launch bigger conversations. So the three E's, we'll we'll bring that into the podcast. Educate, empower. Yeah, I would say it's making women feel smart about the stuff that they're consuming and that's across the board. Like just whatever story they want to read, making them feel smarter for reading it and that honestly could be something about Married at First Sight. But I think for so long um, women have been told that they can't sort of read these stories or watch these TV shows Mm. um, because they'd be stupid for doing so. I think success to me would be letting people feel like they can and feel ease <laughs> doing so. Is that something you've always been passionate about or is that idea of success kind of developed recently? Like um, if we asked you the same question five years ago, say, how would you people have feel smart? Yeah, I think so. I think it's because when I started at uni and I sort of floated the idea of going into like lifestyle or fashion journalism and I remember a couple of people sort of uh, maybe rolled their eyes a little bit or thought like, are you sure you're not going to be wasted there or what are you even going to be writing about there? And I rem- I probably couldn't have put my finger on it then, but it would have been that, yeah. in that why can't we do this content? Yeah. Why can't we just do it in a way that makes us feel smart and um, good about ourselves? And that's the other thing. We said this when we spoke at a school last week that – men's interests are always treated as totally legitimate, which mm. of course they are. Any interest is pretty legitimate if you ask me. Well, but not all. There can be like <laughs> that's, not all. that's a very Most general sentence. Yeah. But like you can have one football game and I'm I'm a massive AFL fan, but you can have a footy game and from that one footy game there are a million talk shows that analyse every piece of play, every player, every performance, every coaching move. And that's totally legitimate. 
But as soon as you have married at first sight, which might say a lot about relationships and what's emotional abuse and what's cheating and what's, um, I don't know, what's gaslighting. friendship, gaslighting, all these important topics that affect all of our lives. If you have one piece that analyzes that, everyone talks about it as stupid or yeah. how dare you take it so seriously. It's like, well, we all take AFL and cricket so seriously. What's yeah. the po- problem with taking women's interests just as seriously and analyzing them? Because I think they say a lot about what we value and who we are as a community. And you do go into some really, really important issues, which are quite taboo in the mainstream media. Some of the stuff you do talk about, and we think it's fantastic because you bring up discussion that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. What is the process? I know you will have one because you are both so strategic in what you do in deciding what issues you were going to talk about. Do you have a tick box system where you just if something doesn't meet certain criteria do you not do it or is there a what's line? the process I think that's it's about balance so I don't even yep. think it's like a tick box so much as like we kind of know what kinds of things we need to bring to the show so like what's the really serious thing that we want to talk about this week what's the sugary thing that we're going to balance yeah. because you don't want to slam people with serious stuff or kind of annoying lecturing all Especially the time on a Monday morning <laughs> yeah like there really needs to be that balance um of of different kinds of things. Um, I think we said even this does kind of ruin the beauty of the whole thing, but why not? Let's just talk don't about do it. it. Oh, you don't no, do it. No, of course, why not? It. Because it's like important. <laughs> but also I think you don't want to gaslight people into thinking that everything's an accident. Yeah. Like I don't think that's helpful either. But I remember we had a conversation maybe a month or two ago when we'd done some pretty important stuff that we really liked, which was like the a big segment on Ultratune, mm. who at the time had hired their last three ambassadors had all been accused of some form of yes, domestic violence. That. And that was really important to us. And I remember we said at the time, maybe every month, like let's not do this all the time, but maybe every month let's pick something that is very important to us that is in the news cycle, but let's not slam it all. Like let's be very particular in how often we do it and how we do it. Because it can be draining to constantly have like that outrage response, which I think outrage is great to like use it where it's important, but let's not be outraged about every little thing, which does, it even irritates me when people pick out one Instagram post and want to be outraged about it. It's just kind of draining on your whole system. So I think, especially when we think of episodes, we don't discuss any segment before we do it. We decide on the topic that we're going to do, but we want to say, the magic or something magic the chat. It's very arrogant it is, it it is. Just a, save it's the chat magic. i think it is we want to save the chat for the podcast itself like that's something that's super important to us we never discuss it we we often know when a segment is something that we should cover when we want to talk about it and we have to actually yeah. stop ourselves um but we do always try to balance between having one like true celebrity story one that's more pop culture and one maybe that's influencer based yeah. or instagram or yeah, yeah social media based we too try to have the three covered yeah. in every episode but I think what I like about well, how you guys do it is you both have very strong opinions, um, but you're still kind of open-minded with everything. You don't make the audience feel like if they feel a different opinion to you that they're wrong. I would hope so. I don't think we will always get that right. Like I would hope that we always hold on to that. Mm. Um, and there definitely are probably times that we've done segments where people don't feel like we've done that. But I don't know, our opinions are going to be like very coloured by mm. our experiences and our own context. So I think we have to be super aware that not everybody is going to think the same way we did. I remember actually an example, we did a segment on um, someone in the public eye. Oh and what, what are you talking about? And I'm trying to figure it out. And <laughs> she And she started listening to the podcast only very recently. And she went back through old episodes and listened to it and she she messaged us and she said, I loved the the segment that you did on me, but did you think about X, Y, and Z? And I remember thinking straight away, you're absolutely right. Like that was a complete blind spot. That was a complete blind spot 
in our segment because I think it was about talking. We were sort of had too much of a career focus on the segment rather than maybe someone would just want to be um, maybe someone would want to be a stay at home mum for a certain amount of time. And I thought that was a complete blind spot that was completely coloured by my own experience and my own sort of obsession with my career at the moment that we should have been more aware of. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that was a really big learning curve for us Mm. in that we have very strong opinions, but at the same time, we often disagree. So when we do disagree, that always reminds us that there's so many different ways that you can approach a different topic. And it's important to be respectful of other opinions as well, because we're never going to get anywhere if someone disagrees with you and you automatically squash them or you try and silence them or shut them up because we love having debates and we love disagreeing with each other. It's something that's really unique to our friendship, I think, in that we don't feel like we always have to have the exact same opinion on things. It's totally fair enough that you feel differently about a topic. And I think a big area of growth for us both is that you can disagree politically. Like one of you can align as conservative or progressive or whatever. We're both pretty progressive, but even the people in your own lives, like it's fine. If someone in your life doesn't agree with you politically, that's not a reason to not have them in your life. Yeah, that's been a big thing for us, for sure. And how do you deal with the fear? I know you both put a lot of, well, I would assume that you would both put a lot of pressure on yourselves to do the right thing, as you just spoke about. And I I know you discussed it in an episode when you were talking about how you decide what issues to do and, and you are scared sometimes before you talk about it because the thing, especially with influencers, a lot of them do listen to your podcast. And how on earth do you deal with that? Because you need to, a lot of the issues you speak about are so fantastic and they need to be spoken about. And it's really amazing that you do have the courage to put it out there. But at the end of the day, Michelle and Zara are the ones at the end of the podcast that these influencers might feel, I suppose, cornered by. Totally. How do you deal with that? Um, well, you haven't been blocked by nearly as many people as no, I have. I don't know why that is the case. I think it's because you used to, when Michelle was freelance, you used to go and write articles about the segments that we did. So your byline was on a lot and mine wasn't. I've been blocked um, by like five influencers. To be honest, it's if the crux of what we do and what we've always said is that we have to sort of like play the issue and not the woman. So Absolutely. We do might, that really well. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's, that's what, what we try we- to do all the time in that this is not personal and someone might do something that we don't necessarily agree with, but I would be more than happy to have a coffee with them and hang out. Like it's not personal at all. Yeah. It is just that we disagree with that thing and yeah. we we want to talk about it because we feel like it's important. Um, and yeah, we would hope that we always don't make it personal, but it is really scary. The last thing you want to do is, I mean, I care what people think yeah, and I want to be liked, which yeah. is a terrible way to be in this sort of- I am so surprised that that is really yes yeah. and oh, you God, would care then. a lot about I assume that you would care a lot about what people think but I, ca- I care a lot yeah I, sh- I wish I didn't care if people like me or not but I do um I'm so surprised because uh, <laughs> this is something that I am a lot and that's why yeah. I struggle and as we've discussed in the podcast we did together I struggle to put my opinion out there because yeah. I'm worried that I will offend people and I care probably maybe too much about if people like me or not but I that's really cool that you can still do what you do I think it's a couple of things. It's like, well, we have to play a long game, not a short game. Like we have to make sure that there's sort of like long-term good to what we're doing. Um, And the other thing that we always acknowledge, which is really terrifying to us, is that one day we'll get it wrong. Yeah, we will. And we'll have to deal out with the fallout then. Like we're not invincible and one day we will get it wrong. But as long as we keep those core things in mind, hopefully that day will be a long way off. Well, I think above anything, we're human. Like everyone's human. I think with the conversations that we have, we try to remember that. I think sometimes we might have slipped up and we hold people to a standard that's unreasonable. But at the end of the day, everyone's flawed. Everyone's fallible. Like we're not perfect. And I think 
we will one day probably cross the line where we we don't handle a topic well. But I think having that in our head that maybe one day we will slip up, it makes us more vigilant to For make sure. sure that when we do discuss something that we really try and do it in a respectful and kind way and play the issue, not the woman. I think something that it, we struggle with in the Facebook group sometimes is that those conversations can sometimes go the wrong way. And so we constantly want to make sure that we're moderating and re-moderating those conversations to make sure they're actually productive because no one wants a bitch fight mm. and no one wants to slam one person. Like the pendulum can swing really quickly, especially now that we've got a big audience that originally we we were the little dog and we could come out and speak against an influencer who was spreading medical misinformation, for example. And it was kind of like we were the underdog and we were punching up, whereas now that we've got a bigger audience, we need to be really careful that when yeah. we're critiquing someone, we might have lots and lots of listeners who go and then attack that person perhaps in not always yeah. the best way. So yeah. it's a massive responsibility now that if you have an audience – you set, you set the tone. Set though. the tone. Yeah. yeah. Set the tone really carefully. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. That is a bit more scary, but something we're always thinking about all the time. So, what do you do? Do you not let comments come into the Facebook community? Because I know I, you guys know, I left at some point yes. because uh, there were some comments that I was For like, sure. "Well, this is about what I'm wearing," and I didn't even think about that, and yeah. it made me question myself. And I was like, "I'm just going to get out for a bit," and I've come back in, and I feel like you have moderated it mm. more and there was nothing like it was nothing to do with you guys what no, a few people had said but how how do you so I remember we had a few conversations when we started the Facebook group it was much smaller mm-hmm. and those conversations can be a bit smarter and more productive on a really small level the bigger they get the bitchier they become yeah um and the less smart people are about it yeah. like yeah. that's just the reality For and sure. I remember we had to have a conversation um early on or as it got bigger saying we need to actually not like we need to approve every single post that goes in So there. you do? Yeah, which is wow. very time consuming. Yeah, I was going to say that would take a lot of time. It's it such takes a, a lot community. of time and sometimes we let things sit there because we're not sure what to do about yeah. it. Like you don't want to be overly harsh or feel like you're censoring people but also like what's the point of this conversation and what's the outcome of this yeah. conversation? So then we'll approve something but almost always we'll, I'll, if something feels a bit contentious to me, I'll turn on post notifications or one of us will comment straight away to set the tone. So those things that you're thinking about all day from the minute you wake up to the moment you go to bed can be overwhelming but I think it's important because if the tone in the Facebook group is is off, then then people will get a sour taste in their mouth about the podcast and that's not what I want. Yeah, and you will see us do that. If we approve something where we're like, ugh, don't know how I feel about this, we will jump in. Like, the first the second yeah. it goes up, we'll often pre-prepare a comment to yeah. put in as soon as we press approve we can then go comment because people are fast on things particularly about influencers and we don't want it to become a place just to bitch about different influencers and things that they disagree with like hold an influencer to account but it's also like I feel like when we criticize individual influencers it's kind of pointless like it's very tall poppy very tall poppy and I feel like sometimes lots of influencers are doing the same thing like it's a trend across the board and it's kind of like a sea of influencers who are doing one thing that maybe people disagree with to pick out one from the heap just feels very unhelpful but that's why i think as you said before you try to take sorry speak about the act that's Mm. that's what you talk about or or the um yeah the action or what someone might have said or whatever because you do know that a lot of people do the same thing as you just said Mm, so i think that's that's great um with how you guys obviously are now looking over the community and watching for that sort of stuff that obviously some opinions can come across as bullying and yeah. like trolling and everything and as your community's grown both on Facebook which you obviously have so much control over then there's Instagram you don't have as much control over and as you said Zara sometimes the bullying can then go to an influencer where they might think oh this is the influencer they're talking about I'm going to go attack them what about you two personally have you 
had to deal with trolling or bullying at anything because your profiles are growing as well? Um, in probably, uh, in a weird way. I mean, uh, trolling we feel can come in like many forms when you are mm. a podcaster. I mean, it can come in like a really nasty, unhelpful review yep. that we don't think is necessarily fair. Yeah. Um, it can come <laughs> like people making fake accounts to message you. Um, which we've had a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, yeah, again, is is kind of weird. It affects us both very differently, I would say. Yeah, I think it's funny because something that will affect me won't even penetrate Zara's radar and vice versa. Yeah, same. Um, yeah. There's no formula. Oh no, my there God. is. I just must depend on the day and what's going through your yeah, head that day. I reckon it to, to do with the day for yeah. sure because there's sometimes some comments that Laura gets and I'm like, man, just – Block them. What are you doing? And then like, <laughs> you said that to me today yeah. as I'm walking in the room. You're like, Laura, you're not telling them about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she did. Like, she, like, I don't know why she cares about really me. Yeah. To me. But there is, there's times like that that I'm like that. And then like a couple of days later, I might be having an emotional day or something else is going wrong. And then I get a similar comment mm. and I'm really bothered by it. And I yeah. go to like write back. And for some reason, even though I just told Laura three days ago to ignore it, it's like bothering me. So yeah. it's definitely dependent on the day, I feel. I reckon. And it depends also if they hit an insecurity or not. Yeah. Um, an insecurity for me and may I would say this for you as well, would be um, in talking, in doing what we do and talking about other young women and maybe holding some people to account, there can be a misconception that if you want to do that, you are not, <laughs> not supporting the sisterhood or woman women hating. shaming or yeah. woman hating, which I would uh, disagree with because, again, like I said, we're playing... You're trying a, to do the opposite. We're, we're playing a long game, not a short game. Like yeah. if we have to hold one woman to account to help a whole generation of, yeah. a whole group of young girls. <laughs> we're just out here helping whole generations <laughs> <I> mean, of women. <laughs> that came out very wrong. Um, but if, if we have to do that, then I'm willing to do that. And I, I don't think that is woman shaming as long as we're doing it in a good way. Mm. But if someone says that, that hurts a lot mm. because it goes against everything that we want to do. So I think those comments will consistently fire us up. Yeah, I think the one that's affected me the most was when a Married at First Sight contestant, a guy, <laughs> came into my DMs and then slid I responded yeah. to him. He slid into my DMs <laughs> and I responded basically saying, "Leave, like, just stop messaging me. <laughs> and then he was creating fake accounts to oh, then yeah. come back and back and back. But, I mean, it's different. Like, we, it's good. I don't know why, what it is, but every time something affects me, it doesn't affect Zara and we can always kind of balance each other out. I don't think there's ever really been a time where we've both got a troll message and felt same crappy yeah. way about it yeah either that or one of us is deliberately lying so that we both don't feel get better. down and <laughs> that's so important because yeah. i feel like personally there is no way i would be where i am today if it wasn't for steph Likewise. and telling me mm. to not worry because otherwise yeah. i feel like if you let people because you could take everything to offense really oh, yeah and as you always say you can't stand for everything and, and sometimes things get to me because i'm like oh this i didn't do this and i didn't do this and i should have done this but having someone to kind of reaffirm that you are doing the right thing and yeah. it's okay helps so much yeah because you're obviously a duo do you reckon could you imagine doing what you're doing right now if you're on God, your own no, no way that's awesome. i would not have been able to do this by myself like I've, I've my personality i've said a million times is that i am very cautious i probably yeah. would hold back um so i would not be able to do this I'm Sometimes Michelle just needs to like physically push me and then I and then I do it. Yeah, and then you need to hold me back when I'm about to make a huge mistake and <laughs> blow everything up. No, yeah. I don't think that happens very often. <laughs> but I think, even, <laughs> I think very often, just very occasionally. No, but I think the other thing that we need to do more of um, is talk about how flawed we are. I think because we don't talk about ourselves that much on the podcast, um, it can come across so high and mighty when you hold other people to account. Um, and I don't want to talk about us. Like I don't want the podcast to become about us. Yeah. But then the other thing I think is I should tell people like how like mistakes that I've made or things that I've done so it doesn't come across overly self-righteous. 
um, so that we are all coming from like an even playing field here, um, which, yeah, we don't do enough and I should do more. It's just that sort of awkward divide between then making it all about you. Agree? Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I think, I think you do enough. it really well though. I, I don't think that you need to do more of that. I feel from listening that you do a really good job of mm. that. Thanks, Laura. Oh, thank you. You should leave You're us welcome. a review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Not everyone say, agrees. Have you actually ever written a, a review? <laughs> I haven't. But as you said that people write reviews on podcasts, I was like, oh, my goodness, another I didn't review for, for criticism. I can't, we can't read them. <laughs> the minute we I actually said can't. that, I thought about that, but that's probably something you haven't thought of with well, this podcast. But don't worry, you'll get heaps of positive reviews. Couldn't be worse we than YouTube. Don't even. I was going to say YouTube, YouTube is, is just the worst for that. Is it brutal? It's is it? so it's just, brutal. And they're even random. It's not yeah. like normal trolling. It's like, how dare you think you can do this when you don't know how to hold a camera or you need to fix your editing skills or like, have you heard of this program you should use enough? <laughs> They're just like just just really it a pointless. <laughs> but um, even people um, like Chloe Zepp and, yeah. and Mitch and all that, they've opened up that like they try and be really connected with the community because um, obviously that's how you, you, know, you grow your community. But she finds it really hard sometimes to look at her comments because they are so much worse. Oh, than yeah. YouTube comments, some of the ones that I've read on different young influencers yeah. like Chloe and like girls in her demo, horrific. And it, Yeah. It, the, they don't hold back. They really don't. I think the thing with maybe Apple podcast reviews and YouTube reviews being similar is that they're kind of criticising your personality. Like when it's mm. a video and audio, it's you. Yeah. Whereas if it's a photo of you, like, yeah, whatever, say that I'm too fat or too skinny or don't have a nice enough bum. I don't know yeah like that but it's like one, one dimension that's exactly. one yeah. dimension of me whereas if you're criticizing my personality like I'll never forget one of the reviews that we got about Zara I'm calling you this rude. is my first ever podcast first review. ever podcast review Negative. Zara McDonald is rude and not funny <laughs> and very interestingly it just didn't even penetrate yeah, that's funny because we've done a YouTube video before where, as you Do guys you know, remember? Laurie is like she wouldn't hurt a fly. She's the sweetest yes, thing in the world. Exactly. I don't but, know, Laura. I, I hate you. So <laughs> <laughs> but she also has quite a funny, sarcastic sense of yeah. humour. Mm-hmm. And we had Ash Pollard on a YouTube video once. And Ash and Laura know each other really well. So they had banter going back and forth. And Ash is quite a character. So, like, it was... Sometimes I suppose if they didn't know either of the girls might have come across rude and obviously did because there were some comments on that YouTube video that was just like, oh, my God, Laura's really mean. (laughs) And Laura was like, oh, my God, people think I'm mean. It is weird, isn't it? Because Zara and I are very uh, sarcastic with each other and we'll rib each other. And people think that means we don't like each other, which is so odd to me because that's just a friendship. I agree with that because I just think that I don't know a friendship or a relationship in my life where there isn't a bit of banter or like. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you don't want to take each other too seriously. No. It would be very weird for us to just, like, compliment each other oh, without prefacing it with Beautiful a criticism. Beautiful thing I do, Michelle, across <laughs> the podcast studio today. Can you imagine? No, but I also think I've said a few times, particularly recently, let's, like, pull back. If people – I mean, the last thing you want is to make people uncomfortable or to not understand a vibe if they're sitting in the room. So let's pull back. But, yeah, Zara McDonald is rude and not funny is the going on my headstone because it was my first ever review. <laughs> we Zara McDonald is awesome and hilarious. <laughs> oh, that could be the other one. <laughs> See, do you feel better 18 I'm months later? So better. <laughs> but you're definitely not mean at all. What about brands? I think this is – something that I always think about with you guys because you speak about so many issues and I feel like it's really hard with brands that you decide to work with because you can't account for every single decision a brand has ever made because a lot of brands have made a lot of decisions. How high are your standards? I I know they are really high and all the brands you've worked with so far, 
make so much sense and align with you really mm. well. But are you struggling with those standards being so high? And I think it's great that you have them, but how, how do you go about that? Yes, this is a conversation we've had a lot. Like we've, we do a lot of background on a lot of brands. And I remember sitting at dinner with my family talking about a prospective brand and I was thinking they were a great brand. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to do um, X, Y, and Z research to make sure that they are as brilliant as they say and, and all of this other stuff. And I remember my sister looking at me and she said, Zara, the brand doesn't have to like save the world. Mm-hmm. Like they have to do what they say they do. You have to give your listeners the facts And that's kind of the extent of your job. Like as long as they're doing no harm and they're doing what they say they're doing, that's okay. Like stop getting yourself into such a spin about this. And I've sort of taken that on board a little bit to the point where it's like we... You could take it on a little bit more sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a bad thing to have high standards, but then also the other thing is in order to do this podcast, we kind of need to make money. Of course. And in order to, to keep producing the content for free for our audience we need to do that too so I would hope to some point that they are understanding of that and that they trust that we would have done the background research but yeah it's really hard yeah I think as long as I as a listener we always try and put ourselves in the listener's shoes if I would genuinely like to know about that brand or like maybe it's a beauty brand maybe it's a skincare brand or a food brand if I would genuinely like that product, I don't see a harm in it, particularly if we have a discount code yeah, I was gonna or say, anything like that. Like I great. love discount codes myself. So it's like, give me all the discount codes you've got. I, I think it, it would be an error to say that we need to do a full background check on every single brand, like Zara said, because at the end of the day, do no harm is our main principle. And as long yeah. as we feel like the brands that we work with fulfill that and we genuinely enjoy them ourselves, I'm not going to feel guilty. Yeah about working with them because at the end of the day, like you could have so many principles for what you want to do with different brands and um, say that you only want to work with the absolute top tier of the most ethical, most sustainable, most whatever brands. But at the end of the day, young women can't always afford top tier A-grade brands. You need to find a middle ground where you're actually reaching women and giving them a product that they can afford. Like that's such a huge thing. And that they want as well. Women can't go out and just buy a $400 jacket. Like you need to be giving them. sustainable. Yeah. It's a really hard hard conversation to have. But like I wouldn't, I still can't go out and buy a $400 jacket and feel totally fine about that. So I'm not going to act like we can only work with those kinds of brands. We need to be really realistic about what women want and what they want to buy and what Mm. they want to put their money towards. If they get joy from the products, it's all I care about really, as long as the brand's doing no harm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a good way to put it. Do you have anything you check off before, any particular things or any advice to influencers out there who are working with a lot of brands? Yeah. What advice would you have for them with what brands they're working with and and what to think about? I think a major one is if the brand is making a scientific claim about a health product. I I think that's the major one for me. If it's telling people that this tea will revolutionise their <laughs> lives and make them happier and healthier. Drop 10 kilos in 10 hours. Drop 10, 10 kilos in 10 hours, which God, don't ever do that. If it's <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can, but um, sure. I think that's where if you're making medical claims, be really careful. Make sure that it's backed by science. And if it's not backed by science, steer clear of it, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone could do research into the kinds of brands they're working with. I know... Uh, 
I and I am I think more influencers are doing that now. I think I in the I, I think in the yeah, early yeah. days it was such a new platform and you were getting this money oh, to do absolutely. Of course. Why wouldn't you? And I think we would have been exactly the same. But I think now when it's the stakes are so much higher to do that research. And again, like we've already said, it comes back to that basic principle of do no harm. Like if this is a good product that you enjoy using and there is no harm in it, then then go for your life. But if it's if it is something that is going to you're going to make money off young women, like young women's insecurities. I think that's what you've got to grapple with yourself. And if you, that's something you're happy to do with, mm. go for it. But acknowledge that you might get a bit of backlash for that. Yeah, health is probably, the, I feel kind of, I suppose, lucky that we started in health because I, the amount of things that we've had to say no to because they do things like, you know, the teas or yeah. gummy bears or things like that. And I feel like our standards have automatically have to be higher because of the area that we work in. And I always used to think, oh, I'm so jealous of people that work in fashion because they don't have to think about it. But I think it's it's been good that we started in health and, and now obviously we think about everything. But um, health industry is definitely one we agree with that you have to be so careful. Mm. Yeah, and it's lucky that you guys are the ones doing it, to be honest, because it could have been anyone else and not, not many other people would be as responsible. Well, that's the thing. Like you guys have been so responsible with it, which is what we love. And well, I, I didn't, didn't, like when I had a food blog, I was sent, Skinny me tea or something like that. Yeah. Along the lines, not skinny me tea, also not something sponsored. like that. Something like that. Definitely not sponsored. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> detox tea after this. A detox tea brand sent me their tea bags, and I was eighteen. And I posted a photo with it because I was like, I don't know what this does. Um, same. Yeah, same. like literally same. It was one of the first products that ever got sent to me, and I, I think I posted about it, but I definitely used it. And yeah, realized, same. Oh, I, this is just going to make me poo my pants. And then I wrote a review about it and got slapped with legal stuff. <laughs> okay. Yay. <laughs> the other thing that we don't talk about enough is like allowing people the space to change their minds. Like saying, you know, people might have done something that they regret in the past. Like yeah, don't I've hold them to that, that forever. Yes. I've heard you discuss that and I think yeah. that is such a good point. Um, for, for an example, both Laura and myself obviously speak about how we personally don't, you know, face tune our photos anymore yeah. and all that sort of stuff. If there's ever any editing going on, it's usually just the modelling campaigns that I post. Um, and that's because it's the brand's control, not my own. Um, but we, I, I definitely was guilty of doing it yeah. in the past. Two years ago, I, I did it every now and again. And it was purely from my own insecurities. But it wasn't until I noticed that that was not only probably damaging other people's minds, but my own as well. I felt like I had to do that to every one of my images. So I think I can see why girls still do it. I know that it comes from insecurity. Um, so I can't always, you know, like, don't do it. Stop yeah, doing yeah. it. Because I understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, I, I haven't gone back and deleted those photos or I would never say, like, I've never face-tuned any of my photos or anything like that because... Feel confident enough to put the hand up and say, "Well, actually, I did." Yeah. So I think that's why we all need to go gently mm. with each other because we yeah. all make these mistakes. And if you are gentle with people and saying, "Like, come over this way and talk to us," and and don't feel embarrassed about it, you don't want to force people to sort of hide because of things they did. Then I think we'll all live in a much healthier place. And that's the thing as well. Like we're sitting at this table. Uh, Zara's twenty four. I'm twenty five. Twenty five. Twenty six. Sorry. Hey, grandma. <laughs> Sorry, grandma. Um, but, like, it's easier for us, I feel like, particularly because we've gone through that crappy yeah, stage yeah. at 18. And when I was 18, I had eating problems and a whole, whole lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So I would hate for someone to look at what I was doing when I was 18 and hold that up as who I am today. I feel like when you do get to your mid-20s, you're more confident in yourself, you've learnt more, you value yourself for more than what you just look like in a selfie, that – we do. We never want to take aim at someone who's eighteen and might be making mistakes because you do need to give people time 
to be able to grow into themselves and grow into their audience and their responsibility. And I think we just always want to be respectful of that and mindful of the fact that people have growing to do. Just because we think this now, it doesn't mean we didn't go through that journey where I was doing the same things. I was uploading selfies with skinny me tea, for God's sake. Like you have to have that journey. You've got to be respectful of everyone going through that. What about your mentors? And I'm really, really interested to know who you both look to. Interesting. Um, Podcasting, we would have the same one, which is um, a woman named Monique Bowley, who we worked with, who um, has been like pivotal in telling us she has faith in us or that she thinks that what we're doing is good, which is the most underrated thing in the entire world for someone that you sort of respect and look to that much right. do you know what I mean it's right. just like the nicest feeling in the world being like okay we're not on the wrong track maybe we are on the right track she's been so good for us in so many different ways um otherwise mentors I mean my personal mentors are probably better than my professional ones I would say like my mom and my sister um I have to cop the brunt of a lot of random stuff that I am thinking and feeling all the time and I've only got to the age of 24 and realized not once do they ever come to me for anything like I use them for everything and now I feel so good occasionally when my sister asks for my advice because I feel like I have years to make up for and a lot of emotional um energy but I think yeah those two people and and Mons professionally. Yeah, Mons is a massive one. I hope I'm not one. getting someone professionally as well. No, I think, I think Mons, Mons is the main one for us because we we left our jobs and we didn't know how to edit a podcast and Mons taught us from the ground up how to do everything. So that was huge. Zara would be a mentor for me in that I've Sorry, five sh- years. Oh, shut up. Don't try and name <laughs> me now. <laughs> Get away from that microphone. But that's, that's like a given. Yeah, yeah. well, in Zara way, would actually be a mentor, like especially if I want to pitch out a story or want to write a column about something, I'll always run it before by Zara before I actually pitch it. Michelle Um, edited my work for many years and always made it better. But I will will often say, like, I will do this more than you do this to me in that I'll send her, like, a column that we're writing for the newsletter and I will say, I've left the end of a sentence blank because I don't know how to finish it. Like, you do it. How many times have I done that before? Being like, and X, and you just fill that sentence in for me because you're going to be able to do it much better than me. Like, you know how to fill the gaps. You didn't name me at first. We okay. made up for it now. <laughs> that was a given. Um, my sisters. Yeah, my sisters are absolutely huge for me. I message them probably every single day. Even if Zara and I uh, have an idea for a segment and I'm worried about it, I will go to Claire and Evelyn and bounce ideas off them. Not that they're in the media. Evelyn's studying to be a doctor and Claire's a midwife. So, But that's what we need sometimes. It's yeah, completely, completely separate ideas yeah. and opinions about things. But, yeah, I think sisters have been absolutely huge to me and my best friends circle of best friends our little group chat is always buzzing and going off so they're massive yeah we love that it's similar to to our mentors I think we like to have mentors close to us it is nice I think I think it's like so underrated to have different mentors around you like I don't think I could be doing any of the things that I would be doing if it wasn't for like my best friends as well saying like keep going like keep working even that you do feel burnt out or my mum or my sister or Michelle telling people to do that like I just don't think anything could come together and it sounds so like overly earnest and corny but it's true like none of this would be happening so yeah and what about social media personally the pressure and did you even before you started Chainless to start your own social media account um, I have a social media account. It is really quite bad. Um, I, I like we photos. actually had this, <laughs> but it's very um, like personal. It's just me out with my friends, and that's what my social media account has always been—just mm-hmm. like me with my friends. And we actually had this conversation today in that, and I've had this conversation on the podcast. In I'm like a very private person. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't share much of the crap 
not even with my friends. Like yeah. it takes me, it took me a long time to learn how to be a good friend and being vulnerable with them. So realizing that on the podcast, maybe occasionally we have a responsibility to share the not so good stuff too, is really hard to grapple with. And so then of taking course. that to Instagram, when we're talking about how Instagram is a highlight reel, I feel like the only thing I can do is point out that Instagram is a highlight reel, point to my own profile and say, so is mine, but I don't know how else to play it. Like I'm not in a space where I feel good about sharing the stuff that's not, that that isn't going right because I don't know how yet. Maybe I will learn that. Um, but that's been a hard thing for me. I've always joked with Michelle that I'm really terrible at social media because I don't know how to do it apart from going out with my friends on the weekend. Yeah, we did have this conversation on the drive-in that I turned to Zara and I said, um, is it a problem that we always talk about how Instagram is the highlights rule, real, but we only ever post our highlights reels? Yeah. Like if I have full face of makeup and hair and everything, I'll post a photo. But I would never go on and I might, I don't know, maybe one day I will post a photo of me right now because I'm just not dressed up and not looking how I would like to look on we'll Instagram. We'll take a photo so today fun. and we'll be putting this on Instagram now. I, yes. I, don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing because it's something we, we literally naturally all do, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes we personally and through Kik and through our personal accounts, we've, we've tried to show that other side, but I don't think it's something that everyone needs to do. It's just... People need to be aware that that's the case. Yeah. So really it's like child. you don't have to actually show the what's and not so reality. highlighted. Yeah. Highlighted, sorry, but um, as long as they understand that that's the that that's what they're going to see most of the time on Instagram, then I think that's okay. I think the main thing for me as well is that I feel like if I'm talking about some things, like I talk a lot about anxiety mm. on the podcast and on my own Instagram stories or whatever, or I'll post something about depression. I feel like that's maybe me going against the highlights yeah. rule because I do always want to be honest about my own mental illness and the fact I see a psychologist like for example I was at the psychologist yesterday I didn't post yesterday about it but sometimes when I'm at the psychologist's office I'll just post a photo on my Instagram story that I'm at the psychologist's office and the interior decorations there need a lot of work <laughs> but I think that's important just to say yeah okay maybe the career stuff is going quite well at the moment but I still have anxiety. I still have all these background issues going on. I still see a psychologist every six weeks. I think those kinds of things I do try to do because I don't want think, people to think it's perfect because it's so far from perfect in reality. Oh, yeah. And you're so much better at that than I am. I think even recently, like we were talking about tomorrow, we've got to, or I've got to write a column for the newsletter tomorrow. And there's been like a lot going on in my life very recently. And I don't know which pit which bit to write about. I don't know how to put it into words in a way that I feel comfortable with where I'm not just turning kind of crappy experiences into content. Like that feels so clinical to me and transactional and I'm not interested in doing that. So I, yeah, I certainly have to get better about it. I'm going to try and write something this week that isn't so shiny. I just don't know. I just don't even know where to start. And I think that's been a big thing for us as well that I sometimes, I am very open naturally. Like I've always been blogging about my own life and boys that I've dated and whatever but Zara is not like that and I need to be really respectful of that just because a way that I would deal with something which would be to be really open and honest about it and tell everyone Zara's standards completely different like you're the majority of people in how you would want to handle something I, I think I actually am to the nth degree like for example when I was 18 and um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I don't think I told my best friends for like three months. Mm. So I think uh, for context, that's from the different areas that we're coming from. Mm. And so when you ask, do you have a social media account? And I joke that I'm really bad at it. That's like exactly why. That's why it ends up just being photos of me with my friends on the weekend. But it's hard um, anyway, I yeah. think. And especially for us, I find personally, the amount of times I want to share when I'm having a bad day or I feel sad or I'm anxious or I feel bloated. But the thing is, those 
few comments that you get of people being like, oh, how Have dare you? Like you, because yeah. we do come from a place of privilege and we're really lucky that, you know, mm-hmm. we model. Yeah. I did model <laughs> a bit. <laughs> but, and then people feel like they can then say, well, how dare you? Like you look like you do and how could you write this? Because then I'm feeling more insecure yeah. about myself. And I think it is really hard because you don't, when you put that stuff out there, and I'm sure you guys would be the same, you don't want people to pity you in any way. You just, you want to show people that th- that side is there of mm, you and it exists yeah. and you're not perfect. But then it's, I find it personally really hard to find the line between trying to ask for pity and I, and I don't want it. I just want to show people. But then you get that one comment that where people attack you and it's yeah. like, okay, I'm not going to do this for a while now. I think for that, I think you just need to do you and like understand that the majority of people um, who follow you understand that about you, that you are so real and just go with pleasing yourself and them and not worry about the negative because well, I so think you know what's right exactly mm. you know so when you're just having a, like a therapy call. I know <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sitting here being yeah. like I should write this down like <laughs> notes according to Steph Classic yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially with I know once in the uh, in your community someone print screened my post and yes. said like are you not sick of girls showing like it was a bloating post where I was super bloated on my period like had I get like I'm not just a little bit bloated I'm like I could be halfway through pregnancy (laughs) bloated and that's just my body and I just wanted to and then I still went swimming that day or something because I was like you know what I'm not going to worry about it which I used to really worry about and I think the hardest thing is when you read various comments from various educated women um saying that it's the wrong thing or whatever it might be that's that's what where I'm stuck all you've got to think about is why you put that out there you didn't put that out there to be anything negative you wanted to put that out there because there's so many girls who can relate to that and I think any girl who goes to their friend and feel like oh my god I'm feeling so bloated today their friend instantly is like you look totally fine you're fine don't worry about it but what you do by saying that is saying you are totally fine because it all ha- it happens to all of us. Happens mm. to the best of us. So I think your you intentions just, are good. Exactly, it's and the intentions. You, and you can't always explain them on Instagram. You're also kind of hardest thing. You also can't imagine always if you tried. It would be. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Laura. Now you've got a podcast to explain yeah, it. That's, <laughs> that's why I am so excited about yeah. this podcast. Can we? We can. You can explain things more. But that, I think that's one really hard thing about Instagram is you can't explain always your intention. But I think you have that that similarity to Zara in that you know you're a people pleaser. You want people to like you. I think you also have that trait. You you want to make sure that everyone kind of likes and agrees with you and is and you're doing the right thing. So if even if it's one comment by someone who's completely irrelevant and on the other side of the world, it really bothers you. So I have you to just yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from one to one, from one people pleaser to another though, the like I have to come at it from the most pragmatic point of view, which is like we cannot please everyone. Like I actually don't think it's physically possible to please everyone. So like I have to always think how can I please the majority of people with one act, which is still being a massive people pleaser. It's sometimes it's just about doing what you you want to do. I think sometimes, yeah, people, not everyone's going to love it. Not everyone's going to love it. You don't have to please everyone. As long as you feel like you're doing good or not doing harm, then that's all that matters. Like some of the most successful movies in history, I hate to be a nerd about this, but like Hmm. Star Wars got some of the worst reviews when it first came out. Like everyone, the New York Times slammed it as one of the worst movies of the decade. And then yeah, well, I don't like Star Wars. But I then, agree. But then, like, how can it make hundreds of millions of no, dollars of when apparently it's the worst movie of the decade? Yeah. So I think you're always you're never going to please everyone. That's a big yeah. lesson that we've learned recently, and that some people won't like what you do. What you do, but you've got to really filter out what's useful and what's not useful because sometimes people will just hate what you're doing for the sake of hating it. And filtering out. Speaking on that, is there anything that you personally wish that Instagram? filtered out automatically some content or some regulation that you wish Instagram had 
so that that kind of content was just never allowed. You couldn't. Like you tried to speak and it just <laughs> blocked you. Just medical misinformation. Yeah, 100%. I think that. if you're going to dispute what science and researchers and medical professionals say after decades and decades and decades of research, just after you've done like a two-hour Google search or you've looked on conspiracy theory websites, I think that's really atrocious. I wish that was something that couldn't happen, that every that opinion it like popped treated. up like, where's your uh, certificate? Yeah. Literally, like, please upload proof of your health qualifications yeah. if you want to give out health advice. I think that's a massive thing that... And where some the research are, came from. Yeah. yeah. If, there's a, if there's a group of people that they did a survey with, if that's 15 people in another country... Funded by... <laughs> exactly. No, I would have to agree with what Michelle said. I mean, it's not realistic, but it would be great because the thing that's been Someone great about it, please. It's been the thing that's great about social media is sort of everybody has a platform and everybody has a voice. Mm. Um, I just don't know if everybody's voice should be listened to as equally when it comes to those kinds of things. Yeah. And thank you because from here we will continue this discussion. I think another day because. Well, we know we will. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Was this, how, was this our job interview? Unless no, you're like firing us before this we This was a begun. test. So I know we've discussed having you on regularly, but I don't think I we should like anymore. This, this no. conversation didn't this go very well. <laughs> Do you want to talk on the same podcast as us? You're, you're interviewing us. Of course. We so. want to come back into this very fancy podcast. <laughs> the Kick Podcast own. or the Dr. Steph Podcast. Not Keep sure what you guys want to name it. Pod with Dr. Steph. The girls will be on the podcast with us once a month. Mm-hmm. when obviously pending their schedules are always available because they are busy. We're busy forever. Yeah, fantastic, Bye. shameless <laughs> podcast that they're doing. But we are really excited to be able to go deeper into issues. Mm. Uh, and also we're really open to everyone listening. If you do have issues that you do want us to discuss we'll altogether, cover, yeah. we will be doing it once a month. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited. And thank you so much for joining us and coming on board. It's really, really nice. And I think it's really great that you guys obviously have your own podcast and yet you're so open to. And you've offered to help us out so much with the setup and everything. So thank you for that. You guys have a way more professional yeah. setup than us and you haven't you, even launched. Yeah, no. <laughs> thank you for having us. We love what you guys do. So we are so more than happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, guys. Love you. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that chat. And now for the question of the week. So this is one of the most common questions we get and it is something we will do a whole podcast on and go into, but I just wanted to give my one tip. And that question is how to stay motivated to exercise. So one thing that really, really, really helped me is to focus on the fact that you can't expect to be motivated for every single workout. I think sometimes through social media, um, we think that you should always be motivated and everyone on Instagram wakes up and they think, oh my God, I just want to, I want to work out. But that is definitely not the case at all. And I know personally, if I waited to be motivated for every single workout, I would probably only train maybe one out of 10 times. It's all about getting into routine and knowing that the motivation will come once you get going. So that is the question of the week. So we really hope that you enjoyed this podcast and remember you can use the code KICKPOD if you would like 50% off the Keep It Cleaner program on keepitcleaner.com.au and we will see you next week. Bye.